Uh, and there is a very interesting custom in Samoa which only applies to local women uh, who have the right to sit on the lap of whoever they fancy on uh, the bus, which is a very interesting way to get up close and personal with the locals. It's the island of Tafayuni where the Dateline passes through. They've got some fantastic reserves up there where you can slide down on waterfalls, um, as well as, you know, enjoying putting one foot on today and one foot in yesterday. This is episode 34 of The Travel Podcast. Welcome to The Travel Podcast. I'm Matthew, the host on this episode, where we will be exploring the beautiful South Pacific islands of Fiji and Samoa, discovering their differences and what makes some great single destinations or multi-centre destinations to visit on your holidays. I'm very fortunate to be joined by two special guests on this episode. I've got Jane, who's representing Tourism Fiji, and Seb, who represents Samoa. So, um, Jane, if we could start with yourself, if you could give us a bit of a background of what your role is with um, with representing Fiji. Yeah, Bula, Matthew. Bula means hello in, in Fiji and uh, good life. Um, uh, great to join you. And I rep- I have the great honor of representing Tourism Fiji in the UK and Europe, based in the UK. And, you know, we, we promote the destination to all our tourism partners and uh, encourage people to travel to Fiji. It's as simple as that. Oh, wonderful. So you got a very good job indeed, being able to um, represent such a beautiful place of the world. And um, same, same well, question. Well, I think for me... Oh, sorry, Jane, you go no, I was going to say, yes, yeah, so I was going to say, no, it's a great honor because the people are amazing, both in Fiji and the Pacific. And Seb, um, if you could just give us a bit of a background on yourself and, and your role with Samoa. Talofa, Matthew. Talofa, Jane. Talofa is hello and welcome. My name is Seb and I am the account director for the Samoa Tourism Authority European office. I am based in London, sadly not in the South Pacific. And my job really is to promote Samoa as a tourist destination by being the first point of contact for travel trade partners, members of the media, but also members of the public. We've got two brilliant experts on these destinations with us on this episode. So for those um, who, for those of our listeners who live around the world, um, who may not know where the islands are, um, how to get there, uh, what the climate and geography is like of, of the islands. So um, Seth, if I could just get you to cover those um, questions for Samoa first. Sure. Well, we are literally as far as you can possibly travel from Europe. Uh, we are located right in the middle of the South Pacific, halfway between Australia and uh, Hawaii. And it does take a little while to get there. Usually I tell people that the flight time is exactly Exactly two sleeps and four movies and you'd be amazed I get away with it more often than not uh, but on a serious um, on a serious side you're looking at a minimum of 30 hours and three connections and that is providing that you do have a good connection uh, on the way so it is a long way to go however you will find that people coming to see us in Samoa tend to combine us with a trip to either Australia or New Zealand 
Zealand uh, and then they stop by Samoa usually on the way back home or we are um, sold in conjunction with other South Pacific destination and once you are in the region accessibility is really good and the flights are reasonably short as well uh, looking at Australia our national carrier Samoa Airways operates a regular connection to and from Sydney and Brisbane for a flight time of just under five hours we also have daily connection out of Auckland New Zealand thanks to our national carrier as well as Air New Zealand uh, and the flight time there is just under four hours and then we're very fortunate to have very good connection with uh, Fiji six days a week Monday through to Saturday for a flight time of just under three hours uh, not to mention that as of last year we now have two connections a week linking us to the neighboring islands of uh, Tonga and then last but not least once a week and once a week only we have a five hour direct flight connection to Hawaii so there are various ways Ways really to come and see us in Samoa once you are in the regions and they are they are short flights they would be the kind of uh, flight that British or European passenger would take to go for a long weekend in the Canary Islands so it is very easy to get to yeah as far as the climate is concerned I think what applies to Samoa applies to Fiji as well we are in the South Pacific it's a tropical climate and as such we really only have two seasons the dry season which starts at the beginning of April and stretches all the way until late October followed by the wet season November through to March that said we are an all-year destination and when I mention wet season do not expect it to rain non-stop all day uh, it is likely to rain during the day but that might be for 30-45 minutes of very heavy downpour and then the clouds go away and the um, sun shines for the rest of the day um, regardless of the time of the year the temperature are pretty constant it is usually between 25 and 30 degrees all year long the main difference really is that you will find a more humidity uh, during the winter's month Samoa is a very, very small country. Um, officially, we have 10 islands, as opposed to a few hundred that Jane would be telling us about. Uh, but although we have a total of 10 islands, there are really only two main islands that do have tourist infrastructures. That would be the main island of Upolu, which is the most populated, but also home to our international airport and uh, our only city, which really is a large village, and that would be the capital of Apia. Uh, Upolu is a uh, small island. It can be crossed from east to west within one and a half hour, north to south within about 30 minutes. And it is most famous for its south coast, which is home to some of the most beautiful beaches in the world. And then we've got the big sister island of Savai. Savai is a little bit larger in terms of surface, but not as populated. Uh, and driving around the island of Savai will take approximately five hours. Savai is much more traditional, much more organic. It is a volcanic island. So it's a very different feel from the one you will find on the island of Upolu. The two main islands are linked by a ferry service. It is operating daily from early morning uh, until uh, late afternoon and the crossing would take approximately one hour. 
As far as the rest of the islands are concerned, we're mostly talking about nature reserves. In fact, six uh, out of the 10 islands are not inhabited. Uh, and therefore, all you will find on those islands are coconut trees, white sandy beaches, blue lagoon, and up to 600 species of bird. Uh, getting to them is very quick and very easy. Uh, local villagers would be more than happy to give you a ride. And whilst you cannot really pre-book them in advance, the likelihood is that when you get onto those small islands, uh, you will have your little private island for the day. It's very unlikely that you will find somebody else touring the islands. So it is the perfect spot if you really wanted to have some peace and quiet and disconnect from reality. As far as getting around the islands, there are various options. The one I favor personally is to hire a car upon arrival at the airport. Driving around Samoa is very easy. First of all, there is very little traffic uh, and it's even easier for British passengers since we do drive on the left-hand side of the road uh, and, and getting places couldn't be any easier. Uh, the roads follow the coast, so eventually you will get back to point A, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to get lost. However, if people do not want to drive around themselves, they can use the public transportation. We do have a bus service in place on both main islands of Upuru and Savai. Uh, the system couldn't be any easier. You've got buses touring the island clockwise, whilst the others tour the island anti-clockwise. There are no bus stops, no official timetable. It really is a matter of waiting by the side of the road until one of the buses turns up and you just wait for them to stop and let you on. Same questions to, to you, Jaina. How would, um, how would any listeners get there um, and what's the island makeup and geography? Well, I, I think whilst we appreciate that it, it is as far as you could probably go to have a holiday, I think that's the beauty of it because the, the further afield, you know, the more special it's going to be. It's not trodden by mainstream tourism and it really makes for a very, very special experience. Um, so the connectivity actually is surprisingly good. Uh, you can fly on our national carrier from a number of gateways. Fiji Airways connects through Hong Kong, Singapore, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Australia, New Zealand, and Japan. So Seb mentioned about the proximity to Australia and New Zealand. So that's why the Pacific is often combined as a stopover destination. But increasingly, we're also seeing people adding Fiji onto a trip to the Far East or to the States as well, um, with Fiji being the end destination. So very many of our visitors uh, would, would pass through the Pacific Islands and Fiji and, and Samoa uh, on their way home, perhaps from Australia and New Zealand, but we're seeing more and more people just coming to the Pacific for, um, you know, their own holiday, whether it be diving or a honeymoon or, you know, much longer stay. So it's actually quite easy to get to, but both, both Samoa and Fiji share something in common. They sit on the international dateline. So we are two of um, the world's only countries that see the first dawning of each new day. And uh, so therefore, we, we are exactly halfway around the world, in fact, on the 180th meridian. And um, 
you know, that that's quite special. So really, um, you know, Fiji's in tomorrow. You know, at the moment, we're 13 hours ahead, but, you know, it varies between 11 and 12, depending on our own uh, clock here. Oh, so it really is almost a whole day ahead. That, that is unbelievable. And I, something I didn't know that it, both islands sit on the on the day line. So as they both see day breaking, that's, a, that's an amazing fact. And how many islands make up um, Fiji? There are 333 um, that we're aware of. <laughs> um, so 330 at high tide and 333 at low tide, they joke locally. And, uh, it, you know, it's obviously a beautiful archipelago. Uh, it, it can take up to about three hours to fly from one side of Fiji to the other. So Seb mentioned it is it is quite large, but the beauty of it is it's all little islands, really. And a um, hundred of them are inhabited. Um, most of the population is based on two larger islands, Fiti Levu being the main island where the capital and you know two main towns of uh, Suva, the capital, and Nandi International, which is our, our gateway. Um, and then you have Vanua Levu, which is slightly smaller. Viti uh, Levu would probably take a good 10 hours to drive right around if you kept moving. But of course, you wouldn't. You'd want to stop. Uh, it's great to do a self-drive, actually. Uh, and in Vanua Levu, you know, where the roads are a bit more sleepy, it might take, you know, maybe 12 hours to go from one side to the other. But the key roads are quite fun because you have the King and Queen's Highway in Fiji and in uh, in Viti Levu. And then in Vanua Levu, uh, north of Viti Levu, which is only about an, hour's away, uh, an hour away by flight, um, has the Hibiscus Highway. Uh, and of course, in the Pacific, you really don't find many traffic lights, if at all. Um, um, and, you know, if, if you want to catch a local bus to get around, you you pretty much just stick your hand out and the bus will come by. They're very affordable. They don't often have windows, but it's a really good way, you know, to meet the locals and experience, you know, traditional life. Both sound idyllic and just being able to get out there and really, you know, so far away from home and get to be able to relax. If you are coming from Europe, if you're coming from closer afield, it's just a great place to get to and, and get away from um, mainstream. And on that, uh, I mean, I've been to Hawaii, so their history and culture is rich. And I know across a lot of the islands, they have their different types of traditions. So I was just, um, if you give us a bit of the background of what people might be able to experience from the history and culture side, uh, if we start with um, Fiji this time, so go to, go to Jane, um, if we can start, if you can just cover any sort of history or cultural aspect that people would definitely like to go and explore and, and see whilst they're on on the islands. Well, I think throughout the Pacific, you know, there there is um, definitely a shared culture. We we still love to have flowers in our hair. Uh, we celebrate as a community together. We eat together. You know, feasting is very popular. Um, definitely a spirit of togetherness and the love of music um, and, and just a real appreciation of the environment that you live in. So th those are really common factors throughout. In terms of the culture, you know, Fiji um, has a living culture. And, uh, you know, if you go onto our website, Fiji.travel, you can see pictures of our warriors. Um, there are certain aspects to the culture that you can enjoy as a visitor. So one might be visiting a chief and his villagers, you know, up in the highlands. Um, you, you take the route of um, 
a tree similar to the pepper tree and it's ground down into a powder and made into a, a drink which is served out of a traditional wooden bowl and it's known as kava spelt with a k not not related to fizzy kava um, but this is this is an honor to take part in and and would mark any important occasion in in fiji you also have the lovo feast where where food is marinated and wrapped in banana leaves and then cooked underground um, and and served at festivities um, other historical aspects, you know, if you if you travel down to the capital Suva, you can see where the first aviator landed in Fiji, um, Charles Kings, Kingsford Smith, um, you know, who arrived actually 92 years ago, almost to the day, um, and he he flew from San Francisco, Oakland, um, and also, you know, historically there were a few explorers that passed through the waters. Um, um, Abel Tasman from Holland, um, you know, is said to have been the first overseas explorer to talk about Fiji in 1643. Um, and of course, Captain Bly, who most people will have heard of after the mutiny of the bounty, sailed past Fiji and didn't stop because he was worried about the, the reputation of cannibalism. But that was in 1789. So Suva has a really interesting museum, which you can pass around in an hour and has still remnants from uh, Captain Bly uh, um, and mutiny of the bounty. But also we have a UNESCO heritage site called um, Levuka, which is on the island of Ovalau, which is a few hours from Suva. So um, that whilst you wouldn't tend to think of going to the Pacific for history and culture, um, there are cruises like Captain Cook Cruise where you can actually go around quite a few of the islands, um, you know, for one price and get to see a number of these historical places as well as maybe doing a self-drive. But yeah, the culture is with you from the minute you arrive. The serenaders at the airport um, you know, when you arrive at the resort, they're singing you in, um, they, they sing when you leave. Um, and it's just a very, very welcoming culture. Sounds very, very warming. And I do love a good sing song to guest join in with them, um, if they can understand the songs. Yes, I think if, if you don't sing and you don't like rugby, you're a bit displaced. <laughs> Sounds like my kind of islands. And um, Seb, um, same same question to you. The I know, again, Samoa is rich with uh, history and culture. Well, there are really two main reasons why people come to Samoa, and these would be nature and culture. Samoa is actually known as the birthplace of Polynesian culture, and the fact is that the majority of the customs and traditions that you will find around the South Pacific, and more specifically in Polynesia, originate from Samoa, where they are still very much part of the day-to-day -day life of the locals. Of course, today Samoans have made concession to the modern world. They've got running water and electricity, but the way they lead their life is very simple and it is very similar to the way their ancestors used to live 3,000 years ago. In Samoa, there is a thing called Fa'a Samoa, and it is basically an unwritten code of conduct that has been transmitted from one generation to the next for over 3,000 years. So Culture is incredibly important and someone really follows those rules which emphasizes being kind to one another and respect your surroundings. 
There are many ways to experience this culture in Samoa. The first one really would be to stop in any of the 300 villages that you can find on the islands. And the locals will always welcome you with open arms. They will show you around the village, give you a tour of the facilities, introduce you to the village chief known as a Mathai. And the likelihood is that they're probably going to invite you uh, to stay over and share their meal. Now, eating in Samoa is is a communal affair. Nobody eats alone in their own house, but the entire community comes together and uh, assemble in the big open air kitchen where they will share not only their meals, but also their concerns, anecdotes, jokes, stories. Uh, and it is quite an experience to be able to share one of the meals with the villages. For people who maybe do not have enough time to travel around the island, a very good alternative would be a visit to the Samoa Cultural Center, which is located right at the back of our head office in the city center of Apia. It is open three days a week, and a tour of the village will really give you a very good overview of Samoan culture. And it really ranges from weaving, traditional arts and crafts, singing, dancing, traditional way of cooking known as umu cooking and you will even be able to witness a tattoo demonstration. Tattoos or tatau as they are known on the islands are a Samoan thing. Uh, it is not a fashion statement but a very meaningful rite of passage which is usually performed on young men and it really signifies coming of age passing from boyhood to manhood. They are done the traditional way and not two tattoos are the same. And witnessing one of those tattoo demonstrations is for many visitors the highlight of their stay in the Samoan cultural village. Culture can also be enjoyed at the resort since the majority of the hotels and resorts in Samoa will be organizing a weekly cultural evening known as Fia Fia Night. And during those evenings, the villages around the resort will come to meet up with the guests and perform traditional fire dancing, singing, and on occasions even take over the kitchen and prepare a giant feast to be enjoyed by all the guests. So there is a lot of opportunities to witness culture in Samoa, but there's also a lot of historical sites to be enjoyed whilst staying on the islands. Samoa has changed hands a fair amount of time over the centuries, and it was once part of the British Empire. It then became a German territory between 1900 and 1914, and there are still many traces of this shared past with Europe that can be seen today. Uh, for instance, the road system in Samoa, which is still in pretty good condition, was actually created by the Germans between 1900 and 1914. Samoa has also a lot of shared history with the UK and there is one person in particular who really symbolizes these very strong links and that would be Scottish-born writer Robert Louis Stevenson. Uh, most people know Stevenson as the author of Treasure Island, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. What many people do not realize is that he's left uh, his native Scotland to visit the South Pacific and fell in love with a plot of land located just outside Apia, where he built what is still known today as the largest private home in Samoa. Not only it is the largest home, but it's probably the most visited as well, since it is 
is open to the public as the Robert Louis Stevenson Museum, which is dedicated to his life and work. Back in the day, Stevenson was really a big deal in Samoa and, and the locals took to him very, very quickly. Um, so much so that they actually found a nickname for him and they called him Tusitala, which in Samoan means the storyteller, which is quite fitting for a writer. And even though he passed over a hundred years ago, he's still very present in Samoa. And in fact, every year on the anniversary of his passing, many Samoans make the journey to his grave located on a hill overlooking the ocean and pay their respect. Yeah, I love it when you visit destinations and you can get, you, you know, become part of the culture and get to to meet and greeted so friendly by the locals um sounds amazing to the villages all have their own cookout uh, every night that, that sounds like an, a, a brilliant experience to hopefully part of if you are traveling to samoa definitely something to try and see if you can get a, a, be nice and get a lovely invite to uh, dinner with the local village and um talking um briefly just about accommodation what can what type of accommodation can people expect to experience uh, on samoa the choice on offer is actually really wide considering how small we are. I don't think I have mentioned it, but Samoa doesn't even count 200,000 inhabitants. We are that small. And yet we probably have about 200 properties between both islands of uh, Upolu and Savai. And they really range from your basic backpackers accommodation. And these are very widely available. They cannot be really booked in advance because they are operated by the villages. Uh, each village in Samoa would have between one and ten uh, farleys. They are essentially beach huts. Um, very good value for money. The basic ones are very basic. They do not have any running water or electricity uh, and people staying there would be sharing the communal block with the villages. Uh, but on the plus side, it is a very affordable way of staying in Samoa and it is the best way to really experience experience um, the Samoan way of life because you would be sharing your dinner with the villagers in the evening. Uh, the beach hut would be right on the edge of the village and they would be bringing you breakfast in the morning. It is a very popular option for backpackers and we've got quite a lot of young Aussies and Kiwis coming to Samoa for maybe a whole month uh, because they want to come and surf and, and they want to stay somewhere without having to break the bank. That said, the majority of our customers, certainly the one traveling from Europe, tend to stay in upper class kind of accommodation. And whilst we do not have any five-star hotel in Samoa, we've got a very good selection of four-star, four-star plus. Most of them would be located right on the beach. And we're really talking small boutique hotel here. Uh, the majority of them would be privately owned and privately operated. Uh, and we cater for quite a wide demographic, really. We do have one international brand uh, in Samoa for those who like to stick with what they know, and that would be Sheraton. We also have a regional brand in the South Pacific, which is a Tomasina uh, hotel. Um, but we also cater for people who are, are on a honeymoon, for instance, with a couple of properties who have a no children policy. We've got very good resorts for families that cater for kids. But usually speaking, we're really talking 
small resort um, varying between 10 and 30 40 bungalows on average you will be able to find slightly larger resort with up to 80 rooms but that would be very very large by someone's standard a big difference and again and great that you can actually use if you want to experience living with locals there there is that option there and um jane what's the accommodation like across uh, fiji well, it, it, I think the key thing is choice, and um, you know, starting with we we do have some very basic. Uh, accommodation, um, you know, both for backpackers and people wanting to experience, uh, you know, very simple hunter, fisher, gatherer existences in in our outer islands, um, and also villages within, you know, the main um, mountains. For example, a VT level, you can do a Talanoa trek, where you, which is a really uh, you know, authentic experience where you actually stay with the villagers. Um, and this was a village I visited a few years ago, which had never really seen tourism. Some of the children have never even seen the sea because it's quite a few hours to get there by horse. Um, so you can really find that authenticity. But also we do have a few brand hotels, mainly in the den around Nandi area, around the International Gateway on um, the western coast of Viti Lavu, but also down the Coral Coast, which is the south coast of Viti Lavu. Uh, we have a number of different brands like Intercontinental, Marriott, um, Shangri-La, um, Outrigger Resort is a very popular one near Singatoka, where you can do different excursions. So you can go on the sand dunes where our rugby sevens train, um, and you can also go on jet boats up to um, villages in the mountains from there. Um, on Sigatoka River Safari. And then as you pass down to Suva, you've got the Grand Pacific is the signature hotel where many members of the British royal family have stayed because, um, you know, Fiji has strong shared history with Britain. Um, we still drive on the left. They still love the Queen and um, many members of the royal family have stayed at the Grand Pacific Hotel. And then you move into the outer islands. So the Mamanutha and Yasawa Islands are the most accessible from Nandi regular scheduled boat services with South Sea cruises and also, um, you know, Yasawa Flyer connecting those different island groups of the Mamanutha and Yasawa Islands. So, the 50 islands in those two groups, um, some of them quite iconic, you know, so you can take a Blue Lagoon cruise, for example, and go up to the Blue Lagoon Caves, which were featured in a very well-known movie with Brooke Shields many, many years ago, and see the Blue Lagoon Caves. And you can also, nearer to Nandi, go and stay in uh, Castaway Island Resort um, and, and visit the island nearby, which is uninhabited, where they filmed Tom Hanks's Castaway. So those are some really good, you know, easy to do experiences. Uh, but most of the island resorts in Fiji, whether they be three star, four star, or right up to your absolute top luxury, are easy to get to. Connectivity in Fiji is excellent and affordable. Um, but also the resorts tend to be much more characteristically of a boutique nature. So, you know, small number of rooms along the beach front um, and you know we have some resorts where rooms are actually in the trees in the rainforest so yeah there's a, there's a really good choice and just touching on that from listening to both you talk so far in this episode is how sustainable both islands seem um, from how much they put this all a lot of locally owned uh, or privately owned properties in Samoa uh, and, and also just the 
how everyone gets around. So is that a big, a big theme um, on both islands? So if I start with you, Jay, is that a big, is sustainability a big thing in Fiji? It, it certainly is. And um, Fiji was involved in the presidency for COP23 and um, even more so since then has taken uh, green and sustainable issues very seriously indeed um, from government level right down to resort level. So, um, you know, we, we, we see a lot of Fijian-made um, artifacts um, and products being used. Fiji, you know, is, is relatively self-sufficient because it's quite a fertile land. Um, so there's much use of farm-to-table produce, for example. Um, but even in terms of the marine biodiversity and the work going on to protect the marine life, shark conservation, there's some fantastic places and unique places to witness shark activity, um, which is is quite different from other parts of the world. Um, and you know, fish counts. So visitors can actually get involved in some of these projects and mangrove planting. So it could be very, very simple. Something you can do for a day, um, you know, conserving iguanas, for example, is is something you can do on some of these nearby islands. Um, but yes, in terms of just educating everybody in Fiji about the benefits of sustainability, because the Pacific Islands have been, you know, uh, uh, vulnerable in the future to climate change, just like everywhere else. And, and the same same to you, Sarah. From the sounds, that there is a lot of sustainability on Samoa. Yeah, I don't think that there's ever really been a form of tourism in Samoa that was not sustainable. Uh, and that's been the case since the very beginning, back in the 1950s, when Samoa started to become known as a holiday destination. What you need to bear in mind is that Samoa is still a relatively poor country. We don't have any precious metal, we don't have any oil, we export very little. And therefore, it is very important that the money and the wealth that comes with tourism stays in the country and is being redistributed to the local communities and that's very much what's happening in fact out of the 200 or so properties that you can find in Samoa I would say that about 99% of them are privately owned and privately operated by Samoan families also there is no concept of private land in Samoa all the land belongs to the local communities and in order to operate a hotel or a resort will have to pay a ground rent to to, uh, the villages nearby or happen to own that ground. Also, hotels will work very closely with the locals in order to source their food, whether it's fresh fruit and vegetable. Jane mentioned it earlier, the South Pacific has got a fairly fertile ground, so we are pretty self-sufficient. And not only we are a very sustainable destination, but we also are a very green destination with the majority of the landscape on the island being totally untouched. The villages have settled near the coast to have easy access to the ocean and that really leaves the inside of the island unspoiled and pristine and we don't only have a beautiful landscape but we also have a very rich ecosystem and within a matter of minutes you will be able to find yourself going from a white sandy beach to a jungle with beautiful waterfall cascades volcanic site mountains lakes uh, and the local really make sure that those beautiful landscapes are kept as pure and pristine as possible to pass on to the future generations. And from that, 
um I know you both mentioned, um, again, sustainable food, uh, sourcing of food from locals. So I just wanted to to ask the question, when when the visitors are on the islands, um, starting with Samoa, what is the local food like? Um, what can someone expect for when they're going for dinner or breakfast or lunch? Well, there is one word that comes to mind instantly, and that's coconut. Samoan are absolutely obsessed with it. And I cannot think of many dishes that do not involve the use of coconut. But usually speaking, Samoan food is very healthy and very fresh. We're talking about a lot of fruit and vegetables and obviously plenty of fish and seafood usually caught on the day. So fairly simple, but very healthy and very fresh food. It's not so much the act of eating that's interesting in Samoa, though. It's much more so the act of cooking, because first of all, it does involve a very old cooking technique called umu cooking, which is an underground way of preparing food. It's a lot of hard work. It does include digging a hole, lighting a fire, and then go to the river in order to select some rocks from the riverbank that will be laid on top of the red ashes. And then the food will be wrapped into some banana leaves and placed in the middle of those rocks uh, to be steamed for a couple of hours. One of the particularity of preparing food in Samoa as well is the fact that it is a man's job. Uh, as a man, you're not only responsible to provide food for your loved one and families, but you're also in charge of cooking it. And it really is a big act of togetherness where all the guys from the village come together and assemble in the village kitchen and prepare the food for their loved ones. That way of cooking can be enjoyed in most resorts during the Fia Fia night, but usually speaking, hotels and resorts will be using much more modern way of preparing the food. That's very interesting fact. Uh... The, the men provide go get the food and provide and then cook for for the whole villages is that something that is very similar in fiji jane Yes, it is. You, you do see it's much more multicultural, perhaps, you know, because we have a vibrant multicultural mix um, of ethnicity and Fiji. So, you know, there's a lot of fusion. Um, so we talked about the Lovo feast earlier, which is very similar to what Seb's just been describing. But, um, you know, fresh fish, um, you know, marinated in coconut um, with, you know, herbs um, is, is a very popular dish in Fiji known as kukonda, which is a little bit like a ceviche. So fresh fish, fruits and vegetables, um, not only used for cooking, but also, you know, for many of our um, wellness treatments, which we can talk about later. But, um, you know, people just generally like to eat, but it's not so much the act of eating, but the coming together, the community style. So many resorts are international. You know, some of the bigger brand resorts have got fantastic chefs they've brought in from overseas who are really playing and being very creative with local ingredients. Um, Fiji's gone great um, has has gone great leaps in the last few years in in managing to create its own fusion food with international influence, but using all these local ingredients. And you're seeing all sorts of pop up chocolate farm, you know, uh, cocoa farms for chocolate making and coffee and you know beauty products and so on. And um, you know, Fiji has sugar plantations. So you know, one of the fun activities to do actually is to go on a little velo bike safari along the coral. 
coast on the old sugar line. But, you know, Fiji's tradition in, in sugar cane, um, you know, we still export it. And, you know, sugar is often used in, in many ingredients. Oh, it's very interesting. You can still go on the sugar train. Um, yes. That'll be a great experience. And um, talking about great experiences and uh, that's a bit adventurous going on a sugar train, um, what activities and adventures could people get up to? I know earlier you were mentioning in Fiji, you can go up into the, um, the mountainous regions um, and there's some properties up there. Um, but what, what can people get out and do in Fiji? Well, there's quite a lot of four-wheel drive experience. I talked about the trek and the river, um, the zip lining. So you can really go and explore the forests and, and do that, you know, off-road um, as well as in the canopy. Um, bird watching is quite is not as um, huge in Fiji as it might be somewhere like Papua New Guinea. But, you know, Fiji combines with lots of other islands, but it does have fabulous bird life and marine life. We don't have very many mammals. So we have a couple of parks where you can actually go and see iguanas and, and some of the beautiful parrots that we have there. Uh, but other things to do would be a cooking school, talking about food. Um, spa is big. Uh, also cruising. Diving is very popular. You know, we're one of the top 10 dive locations in the world because um, uh, Jean-Michel Cousteau, a number of years ago, nicknamed it the soft coral capital of the world. And it's very well known for a huge array of fans and corals, but also work with manta rays, for example. Um, so, so diving is very popular. Um, and, um, you know, there's just more and more experiences opening up that can be done both as half day, full day or for a whole itinerary. Oh, immense. And like I said, that it's both land and water, whereas my assumption would have been predominantly yeah. would have all been water based, um, like the surf. Well, that's and right. and that. Yeah, well, surfing's very big. There is a there's a very well-known surf wave there called cloud breaks. So, yes. Yeah, but I would, you know, I'm learning that there's so much to do on the land as well, which is which is great to hear. Um, and and Seb, when someone's experiencing or is in Samoa and they want to get out and explore, what kind of activities and adventures uh, would they be able to get up to? Well, I'm very much going to echo Jane on that one. Uh, we are in the middle of the South Pacific, so of course you can expect all kind of water activities from snorkeling to fishing, scuba diving, swimming, and we've got a very rich marine life with approximately 900 species of coral and fish. But Samoa is also known as a bit of a hotspot for surfing. You will not be able to learn how to surf in Samoa for once you are in the distance, you can expect waves to reach up to 60 meters in height. So as you can appreciate, it really is surfing for the big boys and the big girls and in fact we regularly host some professional surfers who come to Samoa in order to keep fit in between competitions. But it's not just all about beach activities. We have a lot of inland activities. I've mentioned it earlier. The middle of the islands are massive nature reserves. And they are a very good spot for people who are into hiking or mountain biking. We also have a few mountains in Samoa. The tallest summit in Samoa is Mount Silisili, located on the island of Savai. It's 1,800 meters high, which may not seem that high, but trust me, once you walk to the summit from sea level, you will definitely feel the burner and feel that you've had a proper workout for the day. 
and again, sounds amazing. I'd, I'd like to do that sea level to eighteen hundred meter um, climb. That sounds immense, and and something I'd be well up for. Um, I can imagine it is very hard. And after doing all those activities, um, I know Jane, you mentioned earlier there are spas and wellness in Fiji. Is there? Um, can you just describe what kind of wellness or relaxation there is on the island? So, um, for sort of you, Seven Samoa. So we have a few resorts in Samoa that would be offering wellness corner and spa treatment, but it might not be as big a thing as it is on Fiji. The way you really relax in Samoa is usually by sitting in front of your bungalow with a nice drink in your hand, looking at the ocean and just forget about the world, really. It is the perfect place for digital detox and really focus on yourself and focus on your loved one. We do not have big resorts. We do not have big water park activity. Everything in Samoa is really very low-key, very contained, very boutique and very quiet as well. And I think Samoa is one of these very rare places that you leave at the end of your holiday and you actually feel that you have had a holiday, you have managed to recharge the battery and you're ready to start fresh again. Sounds like a very good way to relax on the beachfront uh, of your bungalow with a nice drink and watch the sun go down and the stars come out. And um, so on, on Fiji, again, is, it, is that a very similar thing where you do have spas and, and wellness within the resorts and then the islands are just very relaxing places to be? Yeah, I think it starts with the people. You know, uh, you know, you've got to think about um, well-being generally, not just physical well-being, mental well-being, and um, you know, the the people are so welcoming and gentle, humble, friendly that you're immediately at ease and there's so much space. Um, so you're connecting with nature, Seb says, almost immediately. So yes, all resorts, even the cruise boats, and, and there are some spas actually in the middle of rivers. So <laughs> they're quite creative, but you, you can get general spa treatments right through Fiji. But there are a few companies that have been very resourceful in the kind of produce they use for those treatments. So pure Fiji for example, you know, might use pineapple and papaya and, you know, all these lovely exotic fruits. And there are a few other brands um, that that have done this extremely well. But the Fijian famous massage is known as the Bombo massage, um, which is, you know, general kind of a bit of beating. Um, but, you know, just swimming in water, I find really relaxing. You know, one of the most exciting experiences I ever did in Fiji, which is so off the beaten track, was off a black sand beach, which is so unusual in the Pacific, but no one was there and it was in a marine reserve and we went out in a fishing boat in the middle of the night to swim with dolphins, you know, and those kind of experiences are very enriching. No, definitely. And, and that sort of leads on to, um, as we, we come towards the end of the episode, is when you are in Fiji, what would be your recommendations? Like you'd have to give me three. Don't have to go, you know, don't have to go crazy because I know there'll be a lot. Um, that sounds like a great one you've just mentioned going into meet swim with dolphins under the stars um so yeah if, if you could just give me three recommendations of what people must do when they're visiting fiji Jane. 
Okay, so I think first-time visitors, it's it's usually a combination of somewhere around Nandi or the Coral Coast. So we mentioned Outrigger. Um, they in particular do a really great two-centre. You stay so many nights and then you can maybe fly by helicopter to their sister island, Castaway, and, and get the real island, South, South Sea Island experience with the fine white sand. So, you know, for a first-time visitor, that's, that's a really good combination. Um, for people who can stay a bit longer, maybe divers or people more wanting to connect with nature, then we usually um, suggest that they they travel up into the northern islands, the island of Tafayuni, where the Dateline passes through. They've got some fantastic reserves up there where you can slide down on waterfalls, um, as well as, you know, enjoying putting one foot on today, one foot in yesterday. <laughs> um, and, um, and then, you know, one of my other, you know, favorite things to do would be, you know, just going out and, and and, um, swimming with manta rays, I, you know, that's just so special. Oh, immense. I, I, I like the sound of putting one day in today and one one foot in um, yesterday. And, and and Seb, same same question to you. So three things that you would um, you'd recommend uh, visitors to do when they get to Samoa. The first one I think would be that if you are able to drive, hire a car upon arrival at the airport. Uh, Samoa is the perfect self-drive destination very little traffic and it's virtually impossible to get lost since the road goes around in circles so you will eventually get back to point a uh, that said if you don't drive and even if you do drive you should really experience the local transportation in samoa that i've mentioned earlier uh, it's very uh colorful very loud there's music being played uh, and there is a very interesting custom in Samoa which only applies to local women uh, who have the right to sit on the lap of whoever they fancy on, on the bus which is a very interesting way to get up close and personal with the locals my second suggestion would be to make sure that you spend time on both islands of Upolo and Savai'i. They are two very different propositions. Uh, Upolo is more mainstream. Not that mainstream is really a word that goes very well with Samoa, but it is much more focused on traditional beach holiday uh, kind of activities. Whereas Savai is much more rugged, much more traditional, was larger as well. So there is a lot more soft adventures to be had. And it really is the true heart of the South Pacific. And although you can get from one island to the other within one day, you will find yourself spending most of the day traveling and very little time spent on the island. So I would say make sure that you spend at least one night on the island of Savai. You cannot say that you have been to Samoa if you haven't visited both islands. And then my last recommendation will have to be my personal favorite, and that is make sure that you visit Tosua. Tosua means the giant swimming hole, and it is in effect a 60 meter deep hole uh, right next to the ocean, which is filled with seawater and connected to the ocean via an underground tunnel. It probably is the most photographed site on the islands of Samoa, uh, and even though it is a very popular venue, uh, it's usually very, very quiet, and you will be able to lower yourself down the hole using a ladder and just take the sun in nice warm water surrounded by greenery and birds as well. It's, it's a truly unique experience.
Amazing. And as we sort of mentioned at the start, and uh, all of us really have said generically, I added on to a multi-center or multi-destinational trip where people, especially if anyone's going from the uk if obviously people are traveling from closer afield whether they're going living in australia or asia or in america it might be a single um single destination stay what would be your recommended visiting time to the islands um for those two types if someone's just coming and wants to go purely to fiji how long would you say recommend staying and if someone was looking to add it on as part of a a multi-stop destination jane what would you say for fiji um well the interesting thing is you know probably 10 years ago the average length of stay was between three and five nights and that's changed radically and i think you know people people's ability to find out more information before they go you know through the website you know ours is fiji.travel um you know has meant that they can see what else there is to do so actually the average length of stay now from the uk is 11 nights and that's partly skewed by backpackers, for example, who would generally come for two weeks or more, and they're going to explore and do a lot more and disperse right through the different islands and maybe go on cruises and so on. Um, And then maybe if you've just spent a month in Australia and New Zealand, you're less, you know, you you, you might have a, a, a less days that you can afford to spend in Fiji as part of your stopover on the way home, then it's more typically going to be, you know, five nights to seven days. But if you're flying for a honeymoon and you're, or you're a diver, then you're more typically going to spend, you know, 12 to 15 days. And you'll always do a two centre. Nearly everyone will do two or three islands. As Seb said, it's really important to combine the different islands and get the different cultures. Um, but it's so easy to connect onto Samoa and different Pacific islands. So, you know, you can actually do another Pacific island within your holiday to Fiji. That's, that's, that's a very good point. You know, you could do these two beautiful islands as part of one holiday. You know, it's a bit of a journey there. So you may as well spend, once you get to that part of the world, you may as well spend two, three, four weeks there to explore these two destinations. And the same um, same question to, to you, sir, but what kind of length of stay do you recommend, whether it be someone's coming just to explore the region or if they're bolting it onto a bigger trip? So Samoa is pretty much systematically combined with another destination. Uh, the length of stay uh, has actually changed quite a bit over the years. I'm going to echo Jane here. I think a few years ago, people would come and visit us after a main holiday in Australia and New Zealand and stay for around three to four nights. We are looking at a week now. So I think that there is a much bigger awareness of the destinations. Uh, um, but then people coming to Samoa uh, after a visit to Fiji or other South Pacific islands tend to stay a little bit longer. I would say anything between seven and ten nights. And again, we have seen an increase in the number of overnights over the past few years. Just before we end the episode, is there any highlights that you would like to mention or any anything um, that we may have missed out so far I'll start with you, Jane. Well, just come visit. <laughs> See for yourself. I think I think most people I speak to who've been to the Pacific say that it's an experience that they've never had anywhere else in the world. Um, we talk about our friendly people, but people just don't appreciate the the strength of, you know, something like the Bulla spirit, we call it in Fiji, and I'm sure Samoa has something similar. Um, but, you know, the, the depth of hospitality and sharing and community spirit means that really, as a visitor, you know, I truly believe that 
that you you are a different person when you come back. And and Seb, if there's any highlights that you'd like to mention before we we end the episode, I think that um, Samoa is a perfect destination considering the situation the rest of the world is in because we've got plenty of space. We do have small resorts. The nature is untouched and pristine, uh, and there is a big focus on togetherness uh, as well. And I think that that's these are our values that that are becoming increasingly important for the Western world, for European uh, amidst the COVID crisis. And I think that um, is des- definitely going to be on the radar. Um, no, definitely. I think that's a, that's a very good point. You know, a lot of travel trends will change and people will want to get, even if it's further afield, to be able to go out and explore those open spaces and there will be less people around and they can get be one with nature. Everyone's been cooped up quite a lot around the world currently. So it, it really is, I think, a bit of a mind change so hopefully we'll see again that that growing um but still having that sustainability there um on on these islands because they're just stunning um and i think beautiful destinations to visit and for any more information and links to what we've talked about on today's episode if you head to the travelpodcast.com and find uh the episode on fiji and samoa there'll be links to um Samoa Travel website and also the Fiji Travel website, as well as anything else we've mentioned from hotels and activities. So please do go and check out that. And hopefully you've had a wonderful time listening to us today. So please give us a a five-star rating and subscribe on your podcast platform and also share with your friends. So thank everyone for listening. And also, most importantly, thank Jane and Seb for joining us. So thank you, Jane and Seb. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And we look forward to everyone listening to us again in the future. The Travel Podcast is sponsored by Not Just Travel. Where it's not just travel, it's a way of life. We hope you liked this podcast. And if you did, please tell your friends. But also take a moment to rate us on iTunes as it helps spread the word. word. Thanks for listening.